This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. In this episode of the Fine Art Photography Podcast, why I love shooting abandoned buildings. And can we not call it ruin porn? Thanks. There's a famous quote from the late Susan Sontag that goes, All photographs are memento mori. To make a photograph is to participate in another person's or thing's mortality, vulnerability, mutability. Precisely by slicing out this moment and freezing it, all photographs testify to time's relentless melt. End quote. The phrase memento mori is from Latin and it means essentially, remember you too shall die. It was a Roman way of reminding people not to get too big for their britches. But the term also refers to an artistic trope that includes skulls and bones and other reminders of the fleeting nature of existence. The French photographer Charles Marville made incredible photographs of a changing Paris. Beginning in 1850, he produced calotypes of medieval buildings for France's Commission for Historical Monuments. Twelve years later, Marville was commissioned by the city of Paris to become its official photographer, and he worked to systematically document Parisian buildings and streets that were slated for destruction as part of the city's urban renewal project. By the way, Marville was a pseudonym. His actual last name means hunchback in French, and yeah, that's a bummer for sure. Anyways, officials had the idea to modernize Paris by way of wholesale raising of its ancient quarters. Probably seemed like a good idea at the time, but it seems criminal to me now. Officials wanted to use Marvel's images to show before and after effect, as if to say, see how old and dirty it was before and how we transformed it into this modern city? In Marvel's photographs, the streets often looked lonely and deserted, but the people of Paris were dissolved from the images by the very long exposure times required for photography in those days. Marvel's work was documentary, but also beautiful. His photographs are works of art. The U.S. Department of the Interior, Register of Historic Places, maintains a documentation of historic buildings in the United States that often include photographs of the structures. Now, not to be critical, but these are not Marvel quality photographs, but are rather purely documentary. They're typically clear, representational, and uninspired. I've always considered my own architectural photography to be a form of preservation. I love the style, design, and texture of old fading and abandoned buildings. There's a romance to thinking about all the lives and life stories that have passed across the portals of those old buildings. But even as I photograph them, I often wonder how much longer they'll last. I know for a fact that several of the antique architectural gems that I've photographed have since been demolished. A few years ago, I stopped to make photographs in a small town in Mississippi. It was an unplanned stop. I was on my way to someplace else. As often happens, a local business owner, actually he was a minister with a church in one of the downtown storefronts, came outside to see what I was up to. It was curiosity more than suspicion, but he talked to me about the town and he kept expressing curiosity and even dismay as to why I was making images of the rundown parts of the town, you know, peeling paint on old bricks and stuff like that. He kept saying, I wish you wouldn't take pictures of that old stuff. And he said that it hurts him because he remembers the town when it was thriving. My only reply was that I find these things to be beautiful and this is my way of preserving them. That he was able to understand and satisfied he went on his way and let me do my work. 
Prior to the pandemic, the nation was undergoing a remarkable time of economic growth. A flourishing economy creates a desire for new construction, which often means destruction of old buildings to make room for newer buildings. In the Nashville metro, where I live, it's been an ongoing concern with historic preservationists for a while. A lot of historic buildings have been torn down or renovated beyond recognition. And I get it. Time marches on. This podcast isn't an indictment of that. It's just a nod to the value of capturing and holding the fading beauty of these old structures. At some point, my fascination with abandoned places morphed into a quest to learn more about the history of the structures and the people who lived or worked there. It wasn't good enough to simply photograph the old house or storefront. I wanted context. When was it built? Who owned it? If it was a business, what did they do there? In many cases, this is exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, information to get. But in other cases, it's possible to really hit pay dirt, the mother load, so to speak. Some of the places I can go to learn about historic buildings are real estate records, historic documents like books and newspapers in the Library of Congress, antique fire maps, which are also found in the Library of Congress, and of course, applications to the National Register of Historic Places. Often there's information on Facebook or Pinterest, but those sources can be tough to verify. One case where I found an abundance of data, not just about one building, but about many buildings, in fact an entire district, was from my recent visit to Wheeling, West Virginia. I visited Wheeling in the summer of 2021, and upon exiting the state highway and driving beneath an overpass, it was like entering a dream world of historic architecture. This place looked like a city that time forgot. In just a few hours, I made dozens of images of buildings, both abandoned and still in use. Wheeling is one of those places that's a nirvana for me, and the type of photographs that I like to make. There are a few others I'll mention later in the podcast as well. Later, when I was back home processing those images and pouring through all the video that I made, I began searching for information about some of these old, antique, and abandoned buildings that I stumbled upon in Wheeling. The most important thing that I found was an application of the National Register of Historic Places for the entire district in South Wheeling, exactly the spot that I photographed. I have to say, I'm seriously indebted to the work of the researchers who wrote and submitted that application. There was so much history and other information that I was able to adapt it into an ebook called The Wheeling Portfolio which is now for sale on my website at keithdotson.com slash books. It's 49 pages with my photographs, also with history, detailed citations, metadata, maps, and some statements about my purpose for making the work. It's $4.99 for the digital download in case you're interested, and thank you in advance for your support. The building from Wheeling that interested me the most was the old Schmulbach Brewery. I became enthralled with the Schmulbach buildings because they had these amazing card faces on the exterior. The brewery was so successful in its day that it comprised maybe a dozen or so structures in the vicinity, most of which are still standing, even though the brewery closed in 1914 with Prohibition. Some of those are now abandoned, while others are still being used for businesses today, if you can believe it. One of the things you can read about in the book is the story of the Schmulbach Brewery, and especially its charismatic namesake, Henry Schmulbach. Born in Germany, he came to the U.S. at eight years of age with his parents. He went from working as a penniless cabin boy on a riverboat to becoming a multimillionaire. Not only did he buy the Nail City Brewery and rename it after himself, he also built the state's first big office building. You could call it West Virginia's first skyscraper. And he owned a lot of other businesses as well. His personal logo was a capital S with two vertical lines. Yes, that's right, it was a dollar sign. It can still be seen on the gates of his city house in South Wheeling. But he was also a civic leader and a benefactor for the city. This larger-than-life character still casts a long shadow in Wheeling, even more than a 100 years after his death. But there were other sides to Henry as well. 
Why were there five men named Henry Schmulbach recognized in his last will and testament? How did he come to be tried for murder? In the ebook, I get into all of that. Some of my favorite places to shoot abandoned buildings are in the state of Mississippi. The town of Rodney, which is now a ghost town, was once on the short list of possible Mississippi state capitals. It was a prosperous, booming, and rowdy river town. There's not much left now, a few occupied houses, several wooden structures that are suitably angular and cattywampus, and two incredible churches, both of which were somewhat renovated, I think in the 1990s, but are again falling fallow. I remember standing on the narrow path before the old Baptist church, surrounded by tall grass with a dog barking somewhere in the distance, quite eerie. The town was occupied during the Civil War, and there's a story about how locals invited some of the occupying Union troops to church when a group of Confederates arrived to take them captive and shots were fired. There's a funny anecdote that one of the soldiers hid beneath the voluminous petticoats of one of the local women. The rest of the Union troops on a gunboat in the nearby river heard the shots and opened fire on the town, destroying one or two of the buildings and striking the brick face of the church. A cannonball stayed there for years, and there's still one in the divot today, but it's not the original ball. The town began to suffer after numerous floods and eventual change of course in the Mississippi River away from the town. Despite its downfall, the town was still populated in the 1940s when it was visited by photographer Marion Post Walcott, working on behalf of the Farm Security Administration. Most of the buildings she would have seen are long gone now. Rodney is still worth a visit, but it's frankly not easy to find, and it's a long way from anywhere. If you get there under the right conditions, you can get really phenomenal shots. I've seen more than one photographer who shot the iconic Old Baptist Church in floodwaters, even at floodwaters late at night. The images are unreal, spooky even, but the potential gator and snake ratio would make me think twice about that, but I admire those who've done that work. But honestly, any city or town in the Mississippi Delta affords plenty of opportunities to shoot abandoned places, including Helena, which sits across the river in Arkansas. I found an amazing abandoned motel there with a great old sign in front, but there are plenty of other places there too. If you get to the Mississippi Delta, don't forget to go across the river and visit. Pamplin City, Virginia is not a ghost town, but it does kind of give that impression because it has a long strip of vacant and or abandoned storefronts in the old part of town. Some of these buildings are partially renovated or at least somewhat well-preserved. Some are being used to store junk, and some are truly derelict. I have some history of these buildings, but it's a bit convoluted. I researched it online and published some history in my blog, only to hear from locals telling me that I had it all wrong. And then other locals contacted me to tell me that not only was I wrong, but so were the other people who told me I was wrong. Sometimes it gets a little dicey. The next place I'll talk about is Toya, Texas. That's T-O-Y-A-H. And there's absolutely no reason to go to Toya, Texas, unless you find yourself traveling along Highway 20 in far west Texas. I was on my way to shoot the desert landscapes near Marfa when I spied what appeared to be a tall old building as I was rolling by. I took the next exit and found a small gold mine of abandoned buildings, ruins, and even a really great Old West graveyard. Toya is practically a ghost town, but not quite. It looks like a place where people go who don't want to be bothered. The tall building I saw from the interstate was indeed an abandoned place, the old high school built in 1912, incredibly three stories tall, which seems way too large for this little town, even if the town has shrunk since 1912. There are also several terrifically decrepit old houses sitting nearby. Like my next location, Toya, Texas also had some nasty and brutal events in its history, even by Texas standards. The next place I'm talking about is Cairo, Illinois. This is a mecca for those interested in making images of abandoned buildings, 
but it's a sad story and frankly one of the few places where I don't want to delve too much into the history. There's been some really bad things happen in Cairo. You know, people mistreating other people. And I'll just leave it at that. To be honest, even when photographing the old abandoned houses that are rapidly leaning into collapse and consumption by trees and vines as neighborhoods go back to nature, I wonder if the people who lived in there, the people who lived in those houses, might have been some of the malignant ones who perpetrated some of those bad events in Cairo's past. In Cairo, you can find an abandoned movie theater and various commercial storefronts. You can find abandoned houses from various eras of history. In fact, the first time I ever went to Cairo, I went to visit the magnificent Riverlore Mansion and found across the street a decrepit old house with hand railings falling from the second floor balconies onto the lawn and all the doors and windows standing wide open. The epitome of a haunted house, beautiful but spooky, quite eerie. But abandoned buildings in Cairo are disappearing rapidly. As you might imagine, the city doesn't want vacant buildings sitting around as magnets for all the hazards and problems that come along with abandoned buildings. And that brings me back to my original point. I try to shoot them before they're gone, while they're still beautiful but on the edge of oblivion. The textures of old wood and bricks, the architectural details intertwined with ivy, plants growing from cracks in the masonry, they're always thrilling to me. The mystery of the people who passed over the floorboards is endlessly intriguing. You can see my photographs of abandoned places on my website at keithdotson.com. And remember, you can also download my ebook there as well. That's all I've got for this episode, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again real soon.